Well, we are uh, we're finishing up our six weeks uh, traveling through the lectionary passages uh, in our sermons. So, uh, so this is kind of the last week, and then we'll move on to something else next week for Lent. But uh, there are have a little feedback here, maybe not. Uh, there, uh, there are four passages every week in the lectionary, and as I read through them all, uh, I was kind of thinking. Oh my gosh, none of these stand out, and I don't know what to share about, about any of these. And so it kind of, usually something rises to the surface, and I think, that's great. Uh, I have an idea already, and I want to run with that. And that did not happen this week. So, uh, so somehow I landed on this really convoluted, confusing passage from Paul to the Corinthians this morning. So yay for that. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll journey together through that. So uh, this morning I want to read the passage, uh, and then I want, to, uh, I want to walk through a couple ways of thinking about the nature of spirituality, uh, and then I want to end with a few challenges for us. So uh, uh, we're going to jump into scripture right now. It might be helpful for you to have the text on your lap. I'm not sure if it will be uh, on the screen or not, but we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, starting uh, with verse 3, and we're all, I'm only going to read like four verses, but, uh, but this is a part of a larger section, uh, and the whole section is kind of uh, important for what I'm about to read, and I'm going to mention a few of the other uh, surrounding sections, so uh, that's why I say it Maybe it would be helpful if you had it in front of you, just so you can kind of get the, the further context. If, if I'm boring you too badly, just read before and after this text, and, uh, and, and that can, that's how you can waste your time. But, uh, all right, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, starting with verse 3. Uh, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. All right, confusing enough uh, for me too. Uh, this is kind of a weird convoluted passage. So uh, a, couple, a couple theological ideas that stand out here. Uh, so first I, w- I want to talk about the paradoxical nature of spirituality uh, and then I want to talk about the cyclical nature of spirituality. All right, the paradoxical and the cyclical nature of spirituality. I'll explain this as as we go along here. Uh, okay, uh, so to start out with, the paradoxical nature of spirituality. The first paradox that I see in this passage is this. Like it's on the screen. The worse we understand the true nature of the creator and the creation, the more highly we think of ourselves and our place in the hierarchy of existence. All right. Got it? I can move on? Uh, All right. The worse, so the worse we understand 
who God is and what God has done in the world and what God continues to do in the world. The worse that we understand that, the more highly we usually think of ourselves. Uh, and I think that's one of the paradoxes that, that Paul is pointing to here. Paul says here that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing, that, that we get blinded by the God of the world, and that the, that blindness results in us preaching or proclaiming ourselves. We don't understand. Things are, are blinded to us. The light of God is blinded to us by the God of the world, uh, and the result, the end result of that is that we preach ourselves. We proclaim uh, ourselves, which is the great paradox. You would think that a lack of understanding of the true nature of God and creation would actually humble us. You would think that usually when we don't understand things, that would humble us. Uh, and yet what Paul is saying that is the opposite is actually true. Uh, that instead of being, having this humble posture, it actually leads us to a pridefulness, to proclaiming ourselves. And this happens all the time. The disciples do this every time they bicker about who's best, about who gets to sit next to Jesus in the kingdom. They bicker about a million different things. And every time that they do, they're proving that they don't really understand the true nature of God and what God is doing Uh, in the world. And we do it too. We love to be noticed. We love to be recognized and honored and celebrated. We want to be seen, but not for the right reasons. Not so that others might see the face of Christ reflected in us, uh, but we want to be seen for our own gain, our own pride, our own fame, our own benefit. Uh, The worse we understand the true nature of the creator and the creation, the more highly we think of ourselves and our place in the hierarchy of existence. All right, that makes sense? Sort of? All right, second paradox that I see in this passage is the exact opposite of that. Uh, Is that the better we understand the true nature of the creator and the creation, the more humble and worshipful we become. Uh, Again, in our passage, it says that the light of the knowledge of God's glory shines in our heart. And what does it lead to? It leads to preaching and proclaiming Christ. Uh, As the passage continues uh, in verse 7, what we didn't read this morning, it leads us to recognizing that we are simply jars of clay. We are earthen vessels that aren't much good to anything except the fact that they get to hold, they get to be containers of the light of Christ. They get to, to contain God's glory. And that's the paradox. Normally, when we understand things better and more completely, uh, it results in pridefulness and boastfulness, right? Normally, when, when I understand things, when I really grasp something, when I'm really keen on something, I can get kind of cocky. I can get kind of proud of my own accomplishments. But when it comes to God, a proper understanding of who God is, that he is the light of knowledge shining in us, it actually results in humility and worship. The gospel has a way of putting us in our place in a really beautiful way. It reminds us of the proper structure of the created order that, and that the only right response to that is worship. Proclaiming Christ. Uh, Understanding the true good nature of God allows us to be a prism of God's light. Receiving the goodness and beauty of God 
while refracting and reflecting that goodness for a world that desperately needs good news. It's not pride. It doesn't just, it's, not, it's not this vapid vainness that, uh, that we just suck in our understanding and it just stays there. It actually gets reflected out into the world. We understand the goodness and beauty and grace of God. We, we, the light of Christ is shown into us, and it actually gets reflected and refracted out into a world that desperately needs to see the light of Christ. The gospel becomes veiled. Uh, oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. Uh, the better we understand the true nature of the creator and the creation, the more humble and worshipful we become. So it's, it's this second paradox. All right, the second theological idea that stands out to me in this passage. The first was the paradoxical nature of spirituality. The second is the cyclical nature of spirituality. Cycle. It's a, it's a cycle. So this is what I said. This is what I would say really simply. I think this is what Paul is trying to point out. That darkness begets more darkness. It perpetuates more darkness. It creates more darkness. When things are veiled, uh, it tends to create even more things that are veiled. It is cyclical. Uh, Maybe I'd say it uh, this way here. Uh, When we are walking in darkness, the goodness of life becomes increasingly dark. Uh, It's cyclical. When we're walking in darkness, when our existence is veiled... Uh, The goodness of life becomes increasingly dark. It becomes increasingly veiled. Uh, Call it a slippery slope or or a harmful rhythm. Call it a destructive pattern. But darkness only leads to more darkness. It's a really nasty cycle. Uh, or, Or Paul talks about it in another way here. Essentially... Uh, He's saying this, those who are walking away from life, those who are perishing, will only become more separated from the life that is promised in Jesus. As we turn away from the way of Christ, when we're walking away from life, when we are perishing in in our own life, uh, we will only become more separated from the life that is promised in Jesus. The gospel becomes even more veiled. We can't see it. We've turned our back on it. We are actively running from it. And the goodness becomes even harder to notice and to recognize. When we choose darkness, it can easily spiral into more and more darkness. It it takes on a life of its own. Darkness begets more darkness. A few little decisions to be blind to the truth Uh, and follow the gods of the world can easily lead to a few more bad decisions, and a few more, and a few more. It can easily consume us. Uh, We see this all the time in our world, right? We see it with money and with greed. I have this friend uh, who is an incredible person in so many ways. He's an incredible person. But I would say that he's gotten kind of engulfed in this world, this cycle of promotions and raises and climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, I watched him start his career uh, aiming for working in the nonprofit world and helping people uh, that are in the lowest parts of society. Uh, and, and now he's told me himself that he struggles with his current salary never being enough. He made a couple choices that led to a couple more choices 
that led to a couple more choices, and he is rapidly working his way up this corporate ladder. But it's this cycle. It's this kind of destructive pattern cycle uh, of darkness. You make, you make a few little decisions and a few more, and before you know it, things have kind of snowballed. Or we see this cyclical darkness in our culture with sexual sin. Right? It, it's just, it's just a, a little glance at the opposite sex, or it's just a brief conversation with, with somebody you work with. Or, you know, we make little decisions that become bigger decisions and bigger decisions, and they can slow, snowball into all sorts of problems. We, we see it with our political world, uh, where, for the most part, most politicians start off with a fantastic heart. They, they want to make a difference. They start out in local government and they have a fantastic heart for making changes on, in a really grassroots way. And, and yet, as they get further and further into the machine, uh, suddenly they start making compromising choices and, and taking bribes and, and all sorts of things that can kind of run amok. Power and greed can easily take control and before long they've made deals with the devil instead of trying to help people anymore. Uh, darkness begets more darkness. It creates more darkness. Uh, and, and so Paul is reminding us that, that, uh, of the, the trouble in this way. But opposite, the opposite of this is that light begets more light. Uh, it perpetuates more light. Light creates more light. It also is a cyclical process. When we're walking in the light, in this unveiled existence, where God's light clearly shines in and there's nothing blocking it from us, then the goodness of God will, will become increasingly bright and, avoidable, and unavoidable. When we're walking in the light, the goodness of God will become increasingly bright and unavoidable. It's this fantastically cyclical process. God's light shines in our heart, and it's this beautiful cycle of light leading to even more light, of goodness leading to even more goodness, of right living leading to even more right living, hope, uh, love, hope, peace, joy, all leading to more love, hope, peace, and joy. It's this beautiful, beautiful cycle. As we let the light of Christ in, it creates more and more light as it goes out into the world. Or Paul talks about it in another way here. Essentially, he's saying that when we're walking toward the light, uh, toward life, when we're not perishing, when we're connected deeply to the author of life, the one who spoke light out of the darkness, then we are transformed into conduits of light. When we're walking toward the light, we are transformed into conduits of life. Death is all around us, yet the glory and light of God is only magnified by our suffering and our sacrifice. Light begets more light. Small decisions of goodness and beauty and truth uh, and hope and peace and love all create more and more and more uh, decisions for light, hope, truth, goodness, beauty, love, uh, uh, it's this beautiful cycle. Light begets more light. When we choose light, I think we will be refreshingly shocked at how easy it is to keep choosing light. When we make small, simple decisions, I think we will be shocked at how that can snowball in a beautiful, cyclical way. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't always happen that way. It's not always easy. There will always be unhealthy blips on our faith journey. But choosing light over darkness is a spiritual discipline. We are training ourselves to do it again 
and again and again to choose light instead of darkness. And each time we do that, it becomes easier to do the next time. We're training ourselves. We're getting better. We're beating our body. We're training our mind. We're, we're working on our soul and our spirit and our heart. And each time we make a good decision, each time we choose light over darkness, the next time becomes easier. Uh, I, and our world, again, is full of all sorts of examples. Maybe a, maybe a kind of non-spiritual example, but uh, I... Uh, I've been taking better care of my body lately. I had become kind of unhealthy. Uh, I hadn't been working out much, and, and I'd been putting on a few pounds. And, and uh, usually I spend my winters just sitting on the couch watching Netflix and, and not doing a whole lot. Not a very healthy way of existing, but, but I've been starting to play basketball a couple times a week. And that, that's led to suddenly I, I, I wanted to get back into doing sit-ups and push-ups more often. And that kind of led me to, man, I should go see my doctor. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. Uh, and that led to, uh, I, I, I want to put regular dentists and eye appointments on the calendar. And that, and that led to, uh, I need to be taking my multivitamin. It, I, I swear to God, I didn't go in saying I was going to do all of that. But I made, I made a couple little conscious decisions that, kind of without me even thinking about it. A very, uh, subconsciously, I, I started making better decisions after that and better decisions after that. And, and I'm on the track uh, toward getting healthy again uh, and not being a, a pile on the couch all, all winter long. It, it was this snowball effect, this cycle of choosing goodness, of choosing light, uh, and allowing it to kind of cycle into a, a better way of living. I, I find it like... Like on the mornings where I choose to wake up early and get my day off to a good start and, and commit my day to the Lord and spend time in, in prayer and spend time in Scripture, uh, it's crazy how that snowballs in a beautiful way throughout the rest of the day. It leads to better decision-making. Uh, it leads to more patience with my kids. It leads to more grace with the world. It leads to more kindness with people that are difficult in my life. Uh, it's incredible how that snowballs. You make one small decision early in the morning to allow the light of Christ in, uh, and it's this cycle, this pattern where it gets easier and easier to do that throughout the rest of the day. Uh, I find that with worship on a Sunday morning, that when my heart is in a good place and I'm singing to the Lord and I'm worshiping and then we, we go do small group and it's this beautiful day of worship and community, it changes my whole week. It changes everything for the week. It transforms my interactions all week long. Uh, I find that when, when moments arise where I choose to serve, uh, where, where I have these true encounters of ministry and love that kind of take my breath away, like, man, that was, that was so great. I, I'm so glad I got to do that or to serve in that way or, or to see somebody helped in that way. Uh, it makes me hungry to do it again. And I find myself looking for ways to better love and serve other people. It creates this kind of spiral, this snowball, where, where one little decision to serve creates this desire, this longing, I want to do that again. I want to do that again. All because light begets more light. And choosing light leads to even more choices for goodness and beauty and light moving forward. It's this cyclical nature of spirituality. So I, uh, I want to end with challenging us to choose light, to choose light instead of darkness. And I think it's kind of a twofold challenge. 
uh, this morning. The, the, first, the first part of the challenge to choose light, I think, is that we must believe that light is worth choosing. I think we need to train ourselves, spiritual, spiritually discipline ourselves to believe that light is worth choosing. I, I'm going to talk more practically in just a moment, but I don't think that this point uh, can be neglected or should be neglected. This can be a really depressing world. I probably don't need to tell you that. We can have a really pessimistic outlook on life. Ours can be a terribly cynical culture, and that's all reflected in the incredibly high rate of depression and suicide that we see in our country, and especially even here in our state, where we are the worst state in the entire country, life can be hard. There can be this cycle of darkness that kicks in uh, and doesn't allow us uh, to believe that life, that light is worth choosing. We, we believe the lie of darkness, that we're not good enough, that other people aren't good enough, that our world's not good enough, maybe even that God's not good enough. We succumb to the darkness. It easily creeps in and even more quickly becomes a cyclical pattern in our life. We believe the darkness. We believe the lie of darkness. But darkness does not get the final word. The true light will never be snuffed out. The glory of God is good and beautiful and spectacular, and it must be shined forth in this world. It has to be. Uh, And this section of 1 Corinthians is full of this reminder that that light is worth choosing over darkness and that we must do so. We see it in chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, After being reminded about the incredible glory of God that shone in and through Moses as he goes up on the mountain and receives the Ten Commandments, uh, he receives this kind of gloriousness that will last forever. Uh, We are challenged to be bold, and to have great hope. We are challenged to be hopeful. We see it in uh, in chapter 4, verse 16. We are invited to not lose heart, to persevere in our moments of darkness and not lose hope that light will always conquer darkness. We see it in chapter 4, verse 18. We're told to fix our eyes on what is eternal, to hope for a brighter future where God's light shines forth in the world in and through us. Uh, Over and over again, we see stories in Scripture of light overcoming darkness. So we are called this morning to believe that light is worth choosing. Uh, It is worth choosing. Uh, Then there's a really practical element to what I'm talking about as well. Uh, I'm inviting us to choose light in in really practical ways this morning. I'm inviting you to dispel the darkness in your lives in really practical ways. What behaviors, what patterns, what sins have seeped into your soul and are snuffing out the light? What kind of things? That, you said yes to a couple little things, and it has spiraled uh, and spiraled into a, a point where, man, I, I'm having a hard time even seeing the light anymore. Uh, it is time to get rid of those harmful patterns. It is time to find accountability and help. It is time to finally say no. It is time to make a commitment to change. Maybe there are people in your life who are generally who generally bring more darkness uh, than light. 
Maybe they're depressing or cynical or sarcastic or mean, judgmental or selfish. It is time to either cut the cord or, uh, and find new friends or to actually confront them about their destructive ten- tendencies. Maybe that's the darkness that's around you. Maybe there are people in your life that when I'm with them, it's really easy for darkness to spiral. It's really easy for me to believe the lie of darkness. It's really easy for me to cycle into gossip and slander. It's really easy for me to think harmful thoughts about them. Uh, It's really easy for me to think harmful thoughts about myself because they keep reminding me of how terrible I am. Uh, If that is true for you, if the darkness in your life is certain people, then I would say it's either time to cut the cord on those folks or to actually confront them and tell them, uh, uh, you know, help them see their destructive tendencies and how it's negatively affecting you. It's time to find help through prayer, through turning to God, through seeing a therapist, through talking to me or to some other trusted spiritual guide. Let's help you walk away from the darkness and toward the light. So that's part of it. We're called this morning to dispel the darkness in our life, to get rid of the darkness in our life. But conversely, I'm inviting you this morning to the spiritual discipline of choosing light in really, really practical ways. I'm inviting you to wake up each morning and commit anew to the glory of God being present in your life, to the light of Christ blaring into and throughout your body, and to see if choosing light doesn't result in more light. I'm kind of daring you this morning. I'm daring myself this morning to choose light in really small ways and see if it doesn't result in even more light. And I'm not sure what that means for you to choose light. Uh, There's probably a million ways that you could do that. But I'm inviting you to experiment, to try some things, to make an effort to be better and to do better. So what will that experiment look like for you this week? Maybe you want to focus on worship. Maybe you, to, maybe you want to recognize the greatness of God all day long, to try to be aware of his glory, his presence, to give him honor and praise, and see if worship doesn't beget more worship. Maybe that's, maybe that's your area. I need to work on gratitude. I need to work on recognizing the goodness of God all day long. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up and I'm going to try to do that in a few small ways. I'm going to be grateful for my family. I'm going to look up. I'm going to open the window every morning and, and look at this beautiful place we get to call home. I, I don't know. What's your experiment? Maybe, maybe it has to do with worship. Maybe you want to focus on discipleship. Uh, on personally becoming more Christ-like each day and in each moment. To start the day in God's word, to pray that he would guide your steps, to listen to his voice and to his calling, and to see if discipleship doesn't beget more discipleship. Maybe that's a place where you struggled and you want to experiment this week in just trying. I'm going to try for this week to be in God's word each morning and to spend three minutes in prayer, five minutes in prayer, just asking God to guide and direct my day and see if that small little act uh, of discipleship doesn't spiral into more and more and more acts of discipleship throughout the day where God is forming and shaping you uh, into somebody who looks more and more like Jesus. Maybe you want to focus on community and relationship. 
to treat people well, to say kind things, to be a presence of love, to look people in the eye and declare their humanity and image of God's status, uh, to be a better friend, to love your spouse and your kids better, uh, and to see if community, if relationship doesn't beget more community and relationship. Maybe that's your experiment. Uh, man, I could be a better friend. So I want to try, I'm going to try texting a friend every morning and say I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you and see if that doesn't beget even more relationship, even more community. If it doesn't spiral into something where you find yourself caring for, for even more people throughout the day. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's something with your, your kids or your spouse. Uh, maybe there's some experiment in there where you want to try to love people better, to treat people better, to say more kind things, to be a presence of love in our community and see if that doesn't spiral into more and more love uh, and community and relationship. Or, or maybe you want to focus on mission and service. To spend your days this week looking for ways to help people, to bless people, to love your neighbor through acts of service, and to see if service doesn't beget more service. Maybe that's your experiment. Uh, I'm going to look for a way in the first hour of my day to help somebody, to serve somebody, maybe even in a way that inconveniences me a little bit, and see if that action, that little, small, simple way uh, of, of being on mission and service in the world doesn't spiral into more ways of, of loving and serving and helping people throughout the day. If it doesn't tune my eyes to see the, way, the, the needs all around me and, look, and be looking for ways to help people. There are tons of ways that this could play out practically, but I am inviting you to choose light. So we've talked this morning. Darkness begets darkness, and light begets light. Light gets into you. It infects you with its goodness, and it results in even more light. So I'm inviting you this morning to remove the veil of darkness from your life, and to choose light. I'm inviting you to let go of the things that are holding you back, that are holding you hostage, that are snuffing out your flame for life, that are keeping you from walking in light the way that God intended. And I'm inviting you to make simple, incremental decisions for light, for goodness, for beauty and truth, and to allow God to multiply that light even more in your life and the life of the world. I'm inviting you to start small, with simple little choices that move you away from the darkness of evil and toward the light of goodness, allowing God to slowly form you into an even greater agent of light, of God's glory in your world. I'm inviting us this morning to remove the veil and choose light. Let's pray. God, we thank you that, uh, that you are light, that you created light, that you sent your Son as a light to the world. We are so, so grateful that light is worth choosing, that light will always conquer darkness, that even though darkness seems to be winning at times, that it will not get the final word. And so this morning we commit to choosing light in small, incremental ways and seeing if it doesn't spiral out of control in a beautiful way that results in even more and more and more light in our world. Help us to do so. Put some things in our mind this week, some experiments of faith, some experiments of spiritual discipline, 
where we can be choosing light in some real tangible ways. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I know we're at 11.30. I apologize. A uh, couple of quick announcements, and then I'm going to... You may have noticed that, uh, that we have a whole bunch of personal care items up here. Uh, Craig was wondering if this was a subtle hint that uh, we all need to bathe a little more or uh, brush our teeth a little more often. Uh, yeah, it's passive-aggressive, sorry. Uh, but no, we've been collecting for Love, Inc., and uh, you guys have done a fantastic job. This is some of what you've co- collected. There's more downstairs. Uh, so I'm really, really grateful for your generosity. And uh, we have uh, Rob McCormick from Love, Inc. here this morning. And so we're just going to bless uh, these items here in a few moments uh, as a way of really blessing the people that they will go to uh, as they get distributed. But a couple of quick announcements before I maybe invite Rob up here just for a minute. Uh, so on the back of your bulletin, right after the service, if you don't have anything else going on, uh, the ladies in the church have, uh, have put together a Valentine's tea downstairs. So there's tea and I'm assuming coffee and, and, uh, and cookies. There are treats downstairs. So uh, this won't be uh, a, a long period of time. I, I think there's uh, a, few, a few questions to get conversation going, but for the most part, we're just coming downstairs to kind of celebrate love, and, and, uh, and we're grateful for the women who have put that together. So come down and have a snack. Instead of standing, you all stand around for 20 minutes in the back of the sanctuary anyway, so instead of doing that, just go stand around and talk to each other downstairs uh, instead, of, instead of back there. So that's right after the service. We are starting Lent on Wednesday night. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. So we will start our uh, simple suppers on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. And then those will occur for the next six weeks. Uh, I did not check the sign-up sheet uh, this morning. uh, So I'm not sure if we're all taken care of for this Wednesday. But there is a sign-up sheet to bring soup and bread for all those meals. Uh, And uh, I would appreciate you all uh, taking a, a... time or two to, to bring some food to help uh, uh, share the meal. And uh, so we'll eat together every Wednesday night and then have about 10 or 15 minutes of kind of devotional time. And I'm really excited. It'll be, it'll be all geared around spiritual disciplines. So that will be uh, really fun. But we'll start that this Wednesday night. Uh, Temple Hills Winter Camp is this next weekend. There are registration forms in the back. Unfortunately, my family can't go, but I know the Fleming. Are you guys going? Maybe. There are some people from our church that are going. Uh, so uh, it will be, it's always fantastic. It's always a fun time. So talk with me or with Paul Newby if you need more information. And the registrations are on the back table. And uh, uh, two more things that are on that table. Uh, we're having a newcomer's lunch in a few weeks, two weeks from today. So if you are kind of new to our church and you want to know more about who we are and what we do and what kind of denomination we're we're a part of, uh, that will be a free meal and about an hour time together, just kind of learning and growing and getting to know each other. Uh, And uh, there's a sign-up sheet uh, if you're interested in participating so we know how much food to prepare. And then uh, I'll keep mentioning it for a little while, but hopefully it's a rhythm we just get into. Thank you so much to Austin for praying this morning. Uh, and I know that next week, like Sarah Hale is doing a, a prelude, and, and there's some people that are getting involved in worship on a Sunday morning. I'm really, really grateful for that, and that's what we're trying to do, is to get more people up here on stage rather than just me. So thank you so much. That was fantastic. And uh, there is a sign-up sheet for, pray, for, for doing prelude. 
for praying for our kids and for doing the communal prayer time. So if that's something that you'd like to participate in, I would love to have your help with that. Otherwise, I'll have to keep badgering people to help me out with that, and nobody wants that. So sign up for that at the back, and that will be an ongoing sign-up sheet uh, in, in perpetuity from here on. So uh, just keep signing up to help out with worship. It's fantastic. Uh, okay, Rob, would you come forward? Let's, uh, I'll just have you uh, kind of be here as an act of... Uh, solidarity here but let's uh we're just going to bless uh these elements and we're going to pray for people the people that these things will be going to people that uh will surely be blessed but uh, by these things and and could certainly use god's blessing today so let's let's pray together as we prepare to close our service god we thank you so much i thank you so much for this church's generosity we thank you for the ministry of love inc and all they are doing in the community, the ways in which they are loving and supporting so many people, are introducing so many people to the love of Christ. And I uh, thank you that our church gets to be a small part of that. And I'm really grateful for so many people's uh, generosity this morning. We pray for all the people that these products will go to. They, the, the products themselves will help them, but I pray that they would uh, know and sense that they have people here at this church that love them and support them. I pray that they would especially know that you are a God who loves and supports them, that they would sense your presence, your encouragement, your support, your blessing in their life, and and that they would somehow have their their hearts warmed by the fact that that the people of God have loved and cared for them in this way. We, we, uh, We... Commit these items to your ministry here in our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.